0: Oh, you know what? And welcome to another episode of G220 Radio. I'm Ricky Gantz, along with Mike Miller, and we want to welcome you to the program here tonight. Uh, Tonight, we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. This is episode number 606, 606 episodes in, um, 60 more to go, and we're going to have a great show.
1: We're going to skip it, right? Or we're going to skip one six one six.
0: Yeah, it could be six one six too. We could we could talk about that as well. Yeah, we could do Amen. we could do a six one six and then a six six six. It'll be a, a great program. I guarantee it'll be a fun one. But um,
1: let me talk about monster and how it's yeah. the devil.
0: Yeah, but we are talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. Um, from the conversation last week, Mike, when it was an impromptu, like I wasn't going to be able to uh-huh. be on the show. You are going to go with a different topic, uh, dealing with the Holy Spirit within the 1689 Second London Baptist Confession of Faith, which is what we we hold to here at G220 Radio. You want to know what we believe? Go look at the 1689, and you can uh, um, uh, find out exactly what we believe. Um, there may be some variants in there, or some some nuances um, between Mike and myself in some of those areas, but for the most part, uh, we are in lockstep there with the 1689, and. Yep. It really made me think about how often we read through scriptures and we kind of overlook certain things, or even in that last episode, reading through the confession and kind of maybe overlooking the work of the Holy Spirit as it is laid out by the writers of the confession. And so we decided, um, let's take this a little deeper here with uh, the Holy Spirit and kind of look at it, maybe do a show here tonight, maybe another one um, as well. Um, but really getting something out there on the Holy Spirit, because I think there can be a lot of confusion. Uh, there's a lot of uh, bad teaching on who the Holy Spirit is or what the Holy Spirit is. Uh, is it a force? Is it an it? Is it a person? Um, and so what does, it do? what does it do? And so those, those are out there. And so we thought, let's, let's dig into this. And I thought this would be a good show. And, 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 Interestingly, last Tuesday and Wednesday, I went out to Cleveland State, and of course, the topic of the Trinity came up, and the topic of, you know, the Holy Spirit. Like, what is the Holy Spirit? Uh, And I got into a conversation with a a man named George. Um, He came over and was listening to our conversation with some um, collegians for Christ that we were talking to, and they were encouraged that we were out there, and we were talking to them about evangelism, and we was just offering some advice and. He was listening, but the way he was listening, I could sense something was off, right? Just by the way he would throw little things out there in the conversation. And then as that conversation started to die down, he asked me a question and I asked him, which church do you go to? And he mentioned the first part of it and I didn't catch it, but I heard church of God. And I thought in my mind, okay, church of God, is that, is that, could that be Kojak? Uh What's that? Pentecostal. Yeah, it could be, could be, right? I couldn't remember which church is it that has a baptismal regeneration. And um, and so I, I started to press a little bit, but it ended up being the mission society of something, which is that um that Asian, really weird, like mother god thing. Huh. Um, because that came out, we started talking about the Trinity. So I don't believe in the Trinity, I do believe in Father God and Mother God, right? And it just, again, after those conversations and the fact that we were going to be talking about this, I thought it's so important. Now, we're not dealing specifically with the Trinity tonight. We're going to touch on that. But this is so important. People have a wrong view of the triune God, wrong view of the Father, or maybe not so much the wrong view of the Father. Most people have a correct view of the Father, right?
1: Mm. But most people. um, I mean... If you deny a Trinity, you don't have a right view of the
0: Father. Right, right, right. You're right. But I'm saying like most people would say they believe in the Father and they would believe that the Father is God. But then when it comes to the Son, that's where there becomes some problems. And then with the Spirit, um, oftentimes I think that can become um, abused. And so being Reformed, being those who hold to a 1689, sometimes in our circles— there's not a lot of emphasis put on the spirit because of the abuses that we see. Right. So Mike, go ahead. Any, any thoughts to the things I've been saying and anything you'd want to add as we get into this uh, topic again on the Holy spirit.
1: Yeah. I think to continue on your last point, I think is the point that I've thought most on. Um, Thinking through all my academic papers I've done at seminary, um, the spirit, the Holy spirit, Has been the most top the topic I've written the most about in some shape or fashion. Um, and to think about, and I think a lot of it is because of, as you mentioned, like as those in the reform camp, or even we can broaden out to those kind of in the Calvinistic view, those who believe in. A predestinarian salvation. Um, so this would include, you know, we'll bring in the Johnny mac type people, the dispensational Calvinists. Also, when we we think when I think about these, I think there is a overemphasis on kind of justification. And some of this makes sense when you think of the um debates like the lordship debate between um ryrie it's not really ryrie but kind of dallas theological seminary in one sense with macarthur and and you think about kind of the emphasis of the second great awakening of kind of being saved what it means i think it it pushes us to minimize like even our, our doctrine of salvation to a particular place in time in which we called upon the Lord mm-hmm. and with the focus on the gospel in Christ, which is a right focus. Like I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong. What I am saying is that that's truncated. It's nearsighted in a sense because there's a lot more at play with it. The 1689 talks about it. The Baptist catechism talks about it, but that you need the work of the Holy spirit in our hearts to do this. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, there's this, we don't emphasize that we don't think about the Holy spirit. It's kind of the, the forgotten part of the Trinity. And I think it's just kind of the, how we think about these things we may offhand is like well yeah the holy spirit inspired scripture or or usually it's more broadly the the scriptures god breathed you know mm-hmm. we emphasize almost in one sense that this is kind of like the father's um word to us and we may give credence to the spirit because that's what peter says and not having kind of a a re- robust view. And I think we mentioned it last week, and I think it's important to repeat it, that the scriptures often mention the Spirit in passing. And so we lose the focus. Christ gets a lot of emphasis. Christ gets a lot of thinking through the ramification of him assuming a body to die for us. And the Spirit is there for the entire ride. He just isn't as emphasized, I think it's important for us to dedicate time to think about the Holy Spirit as the third member of the Trinity, because that's important in how salvation works out. Mm-hmm. You know, He uses the word. He's the one who who applies salvation to our hearts. He's the one who gives us power to defeat sin. He opens our eyes to sin. He does all these things in our salvation. And we kind of neglect that. I think we see that in sanctification where Mm. you'll hear people say it's synergistic. No, it's not synergistic. It is God who works through us. It's still the work of God. It's still God's grace in us by the power of the spirit that we do it. We just are being renewed and changed but we only do this because the spirit gives us the ability to. And so I think there is this in general, this downplay because the Bible tends to again, mentioning in passing, it doesn't mean it's not important. Mm -hmm. It's just how it is. And I think there's, we develop a more robust view of the, of the spirit. It helps us to have a more robust view of the triune God. It also mm-hmm. gives us a better view, a better understanding of Christ and a better understanding of the father.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So a- as we get into this, um, the one thing, like I mentioned, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. I I don't know if we've, we've done a show in total on the Trinity itself. I'm sure we have talked about it. I know we've, we've done it in the 1689 when we talk about God, the Trinity. Um, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, we're 606 episodes. I don't remember every single episode we've we've covered. But so we're going to briefly touch on the Trinity. Um, we believe God is triune. By his very nature, by his very yeah. essence, God is one in his nature, in his essence, but yet three distinct persons, right? Not polytheism. We're not talking about three different gods. We're talking about one God, one in his very being, his very nature or essence of God, yet three distinct persons.
1: Yeah, and this is important. This is how the Bible lays it out. It's not clear. Um, I have an episode back when I was reviewing the J-Dubs, Jehovah Witnesses uh, material when they were coming by, where we kind of talk about how to talk about the Trinity or prove the t- Trinity in the New World Translation, because they do deny it. Um, but this is the core to the Christian belief that. We have one God who. Exists or subsides in three mm. persons, and this is not a develop like develop a development in Nicaea. We see this early in writings. Um, Trinity is given official terms, um, with Tertullian in the third century, yeah, the third century. Um, but this is not, it wasn't new to him, he was just quoting a term to be able to talk about this. Um, it predates him and how we talked about how they understood. Um, their relations, because you have, in one sense, Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four and five: "Here is your the Lord your God. The Lord is one. Mm-hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength or might." And and then on the other hand, in Acts two, uh, Ananias lies to God. And Peter says he's lied to the Holy Spirit. Well, and these terms are, are used right next to each other. Mm-hmm. And how do you put these together? Like that's the, how we came to this understanding of the Trinity. is not because it was invented, but it was thinking about how can God be one? And yet we see praise to Jesus who has a father. Mm-hmm. And yet this spirit proceeds from both him and the father. Like, how do we put these pieces together to make sense? Right. And early on, they developed what we now call the Trinity. It's not, yeah. you know, an invention of the council of Nicaea. They just catechized or put in dogma. What is to believed. This mm-hmm. is what the scripture says about the Holy spirit and the father and the son.
0: Yeah. And and as you said there, you know, um laying it out, the one thing we have to we, we have to not make this kind of argumentation. So if you make this kind of argumentation, please stop. Just don't do it. This is not good argumentation. If you say, well the word trinity is not in the Bible, therefore it's not biblical. That's hmm. a bad argumentation. Mike, can maybe you speak to that because there's 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 words that we have Um, I don't want to say invented, but developed over time to mean certain things that we use to identify something that we see, right? Um, Just because it's not there as a word doesn't mean, again, as you were laying out, that we don't see this triune God, this Godhead, this one God in Father, Son, and Spirit laid out for us in Scripture.
1: Yeah, I think we have to use other words to help help us describe the teaching of the bible and this is not normal like you um we do it in other sciences in 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 different ways cuz you need you need something and So, to to have to coin a word like Tertullian did for Trinity is to say we needed a word that can capture what the Bible teaches on this subject. Mm -hmm. And, you know, another word no one seems to have a problem with is kind of incarnation. Right or him becoming flesh, like there's kind of words related to it. But again, we talk about it, or we talk in particular that Jesus assumes a body. Well, where does it say that Jesus assumes a body? It doesn't. That's the term we use because he's God. Like he doesn't can't add anything to him unless he's no longer God. So we need words and languages mm-hmm. and to describe what is going on and it's not wrong to, to do that. We try to use the biblical words. So when we talk about justification or sanctification glorifications, those are rooted with direct words or elders Mm -hmm. and pastors and deacons, those same way. But sometimes like Trinity, we need to, think of something that is not used in the bible to describe what the bible talks about right i think another way is when we talk about god as being a pure act or does it say in the bible that god is pure act now we're getting kind of more philosophical in some of the language but that's who god is when god does something it happens mm-hmm. and so we, we need this extra biblical language to help us to summarize what the Bible says about itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you make those arguments, please don't. Be, be a little more um, intellectual, so to speak, in trying to, you know— present your position without just saying, well, the word's not there, therefore it's not there, because that's a bad, bad argumentation. We see the work of the Trinity, speaking of the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, we see the work of the Trinity in creation, right? God is, the Father is in creation, the Son is in creation, and the Spirit is in creation. Um, Isaiah 64, 8 says, but now, O Lord, you are our Father, Uh, we are the clay, you are the potter, and all... And all we are the work of your hand. And that's speaking of the Father. You have Jesus before you, the the next verse there, Mike.
1: Yeah, Um, Colossians 1. He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. consist. Yeah. yeah, and
0: and just for those who may be tuned in that happen to be Jehovah Witnesses, um, that title, the firstborn overall creation, is not one of being the firstborn, mean, meaning a created being. It's a title of prominence. Uh, mm-hmm. because David was considered the firstborn and and if you're being honest with the text David was not the firstborn child it was a title of prominence of prominence um when we move into the spirit now how the spirit is moving in creation as well job three four says the spirit of god has made me and and the breath of the almighty gives me life so it's referring again to the spirit and then Mike you want to get the last one from genesis
1: yeah. Genesis. We'll just do one, one and two, you know, in the beginning was the word or sorry, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Sorry. My son gets those mixed up. And now I, <laughs> he's getting me mixed up.
0: Yeah. Hey, it's good though. It's a good thing to be mixed up on is, is the word. Right. But not mixed up in a bad sense but you know um having yeah. those there in your in your mind at the forefront of your 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 uh, thoughts. So we see the trinity uh, and again we're being brief here with the trinity we're not trying to be too exhausted because our show tonight is on the holy spirit but we see the the triune god in creation father son and spirit mm-hmm. all working in creation. We also see I, I think you mentioned it in the beginning there but we see the trinity in working in redemption all right. Um, mm-hmm. We see the father sends the son into the world. First John
1: 414. Yeah. Philippians 319, the son performs all the work necessary for salvation that is living a life of perfect obedience. He dies for our satisfaction. Um, I'm trying to think of. I mean, you have in John where he says the father has sent me. Mm-hmm. Um. hmm. He's given him all, authority, like he's given him the authority. So we see, yeah, that connection with being in Ephesians 2, that, you know, in Christ we are being called mm-hmm. and saved. And then we see the Spirit
0: in redemption as well. Uh, the Holy Spirit applies salvation to us. John 15, 26, Galatians 4, 6. Uh, the role of the Holy Spirit chiefly and principally in the New Testament, as we see it laid out, is to apply the work of Christ to believers, right? So you have the Father, the Son, the Spirit, all at work in redemption of man. All at work in redemption of man. Um, So that's just a brief uh, overview there of the Trinity. Again, brief, um, but it's important because, again, we've stated this on the show, you don't have to have complete knowledge of everything in the scripture, every doctrine Mm -hmm. to be saved. But there is a difference between one who these things have been revealed to them, either through their reading or through others showing these um, truths from scripture to them, and then outright rejecting it. Those who do that, those who reject the triune God, I don't consider a brother in, in the faith. I don't consider them brothers because they're rejecting the very God who they are claiming to worship and follow and adhere to um, and who is supposedly the one that's going to save them. Um, But it's not the genuine God. Now, a difference between ignorance, again, I want to be clear, of someone maybe Mm -hmm. not fully understanding and someone who's outright rejecting that.
1: Yeah. And also, I think to think through that someone may not agree with you the first time, mm-hmm. but that shows or at least entertains your thinking is willing to think through it. I think in right. that's when we think of people who have false views Um, that we need to give them time to think through the scriptures and hopefully for the spirit to persuade them, mm-hmm. you know, it's, the Spirit is the one who wrote scriptures. He's the one who gives us the saving understandings of it. And we need to, while He uses us, mortal men, and the gospel and His Word, um, and the Confession that it, it's the the work of the Spirit is ne- is necessity for these mm-hmm. two come to a fuller understanding of who God is especially in his nature as triune. Yeah.
0: So now that we we've, we've looked at the Trinity briefly again, um some of the false views as we we now shift to focusing solely on the God the Holy Spirit. Um some false views of the Holy Spirit. One with Islam, they believe that the spirit is a creation of Allah. Uh, it is used by Allah to give us life and this is you can find this in surah 32 9 38 72. Um, it also gives us strength surah 5 110 and guidance in surah 4015. Um, but the spirit is not alive according to Islam, right? So this is one of those false views of this is why when someone says oh we follow Allah and and I've had this conversation they'll say it means the same thing that you in English that you would say for God. And they'd say, "So, see, we're following the same God." No, we're not. No, we're not. Right? We have a different God. Remember, God is triune. You reject that. They don't believe the Spirit is uh, they be- is God. They believe He's a, a created being. Mike, you want to grab Jehovah Witnesses?
1: Yeah. So Jehovah Witnesses believe that the Holy Spirit is a force. Um, it comes down to is that they are what we call Unitarians. So they believe that a being can only have one person. I'm one being and I am one person. Mm-hmm. So they would conclude that God is a being and he is one person. They would go to Deuteronomy 6, 4 that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Isaiah 42. Also where it says the Lord saying, I am the the first and last and that idea that the Lord there is talking about Yahweh or and Yahweh's the Father. And so the Holy Spirit is just kind of this force. It's you have it here a uh, that again similar to Islam that God is using, to cause things to happen. It's impersonal. We can almost maybe take it John's language of the wind, like the force is just a wind, just pushes things. It moves things, but really doesn't have its own being or subsistence to be able to um, do things so that's why it's it's a force again they're coming from this idea that there's only one body per or one being per person or one person per being that's the way i wanted the correct way to say it
0: yeah and then the lds or mormonism um they believe that the holy spirit is is separate from the holy ghost uh they they believe that the holy ghost is the third personage and that remember language matters, but personage in the Godhead, or three separate gods. Um, Joseph Smith Smith taught that as man once one or as God is, man once was, so forth, and that man can become what, a God.
1: Yeah, what God was, yes, or what what God is, man will, will become, or what yeah, yeah. Something along those lines. But they were teaching them
0: that men can become gods, and then they can have their own planet, their own children, um, and be a god uh, in that same sense. So they, they have this distinction between the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost, um, but they do believe it's three separate gods. Again, that's not Trinitarian. That's not Christian. That's not what we believe. We don't believe in polytheism. We believe in one god, in essence, in nature. But yet, three distinct persons or subsist- subsistencies is a good word. I didn't know if we should use it because it might confuse some people. Um, <laughs> but uh, so yeah. And Decision the other matters. thing, the other thing that I don't have in our notes, but Mike, if you would talk about another false view um, that I thought about as we was going through is is modalism. Modalism yeah.
1: oneness. The oneness Pentecostals they believe in modalism. We've we've had someone on the show talk about modalism. Um, and what it is um, essentially what modalism is, is that there's one God and in this one, God is one person and he goes by different names. They'll kind of go to um, Matthew chapter 20, verse 9, 20, 19 and 20, where it says baptize in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. So, where we would say this is referencing the being with the persons, they would say, well, no, this is one person that has different titles and we see them show up. And in these different ways. So at one point he's asked, you know, one point he's the father, the next, he's the son. Um, you get into damn, you get into danger because then you're saying that the f- father is dying on the cross, um, Patra Passionism is the heretic is the name of the heresy, and you just get into other issues, um, kind of regarding how can they all be there at the same time. You think of the baptism of Jesus, the the voice speaks out of the heavens, which is the father, the duh, the holy spirit descends like a dove so you get this kind of floating dove imagery and jesus is in the water Mm -hmm. like so there's so modalism contradicts other point like how can the same person be in three separate places yeah So those are
0: some false views of the Holy Spirit that people will espouse. And you may run into those types of conversations with people as you're evangelizing, as you're sharing the gospel, or talking to someone of a different religion. Um, And I'm sure there's more out there that um, uh, we could discuss, but these are probably going to be the more common ones that you will interact with uh, on their wrong view of, of, of the Trinity and of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So as we now look at the Holy Spirit, as Scripture has laid out to us, defined to us, because the Scripture has to always be our final authority. We have Mm -hmm. to look at Scripture. Mike, you spoke about language when we were talking about not using the word Trinity. God has given us languages, and to be able to utilize those languages to to bring forth words that can help us understand or uh, describe something that we're trying to explain. Um, and in scripture, God does this with language. And, you know, the Bible was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. We translate it into English and many other languages. And when we read it in our English Bible, we can trust it. We can hold fast to it. It does help at times to go to the Hebrew, go to the Greek, um, to make sure we're, we're understanding something properly because they can have for one word, many different meanings. Um, Mm-hmm. Where we may not have the same kind of um, laws within our language uh, of how we do that, but we see the personhood of the Holy Spirit. He has personal pronouns. I know pronouns is a big thing these days, right? Oh yeah. But correctly understood, we see the pronouns of the Holy Spirit, um, and we'll just go through some of them here. Um, we
1: think, s- go ahead. Sorry to sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. But to think on that. Um, it's not that he has pronouns in Greek. He has m- male pronouns, gendered. Greek has two gen, has three genders in its nouns: it's male, female, neuter. The Holy Spirit hat is used with the male pronouns, which is so that proves a point right there like he's using male but what makes it even more um different is that spirit the word itself is neutered so it should take neutered pronouns but it doesn't mm-hmm. the writers use male pronouns and so they're intentionally using a different gendered pronoun to talk about the spirit to give us that kind of emphasis that this isn't just wind which is another um term that can be used for spirit for for the word spirit but that they're like no it's he instead of it Mm -hmm. i think that's kind of an important insight when you think about the greek they're intentionally changing the the greek pronoun to match the theology that they're trying to Covey. Yeah.
0: So uh, as we look at the personhood of the Holy Spirit, um, he has insight. He knows things, which requires intellect. Um, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? so also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. This is 1 Corinthians uh, 2, 10, and 11. Also in Romans eight twenty seven it says, And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, I got one more yeah. verse. I'm sorry. I got one more verse. It's, skip it down. Uh, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, uh, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, Isaiah 2.
1: Yeah, he has he has wisdom, he has mm-hmm. intellect. He's like you see it. I don't mean you can't argue against scripture, um, but yeah, you see, and and I think the Isaiah piece is even more because you get this idea that the the spirit is something different from the father. I mean, you get it early on in Genesis too, but having the spirit of counsel, spirit of knowledge, mm-hmm. this kind of um, developing, it's not full fledged. It's not how the new Testament talks about the Holy spirit, but you're getting the ideas that there is this spirit, which makes sense when jesus criticizes nicodemus do you not your teacher of israel do you not know these things Mm -hmm. like it's there um but in one sense we needed the holy spirit we needed the holy spirit to reveal himself in the new testament to fully grasp where we see the spirit work in the old testament
0: yeah the holy spirit also he has a will um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So again, <clears throat> the spirit has a will. Mike, you want to take the next couple?
1: Yeah. So John 16 talks about how <clears throat> the spirit will come and convict us. This is Jesus talking to his disciples after they have taken the final supper. Before they've headed out towards um, the Garden of Gethsemane, he tells them, "When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment." But not only is he coming to convict us or convict of sin, of righteousness, of judgment, he also, in the early church, performed miracles. Acts eight thirty nine, here Philip. Is riding in Acts 8. Philip is riding with the um, Ethiopian eun- er, ah, eunuch, and they're going through Isaiah. He's like, I just don't understand this. I need someone to help me. Here's Philip here to help him. He believes the promises given. They baptize, Philip baptizes him in a lake. And when he comes up, Philip is gone and is taking his taken to someplace else. So we see the spirit working miracles kind of before the Bible is before the New Testament is fully written to demonstrate the power of the gospel.
0: Yeah. We also see that the Holy Spirit guides, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come, John 16:13. He also intercedes between persons. Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, for we ought or for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. With groanings too deep for words, so the Spirit is doing these things. He's guiding us. He's performing miracles. He's convicting of sin. He's interceding on our behalf. This is not the the work of a force. This is personal. This is a a personal being. A a um. I shouldn't say being a person. You know. So we're, we're having this distinction here, um, where the Spirit is a distinct person from the Son, distinct person from the Father. Yet this is God who we're referring to. And Mike, you did bring that up when we when we go to Acts, we see that because um Ananias and Sapphira, they lie. And Peter, as you said, says, You lied to God, you lied to the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. We also see um after trying to remember if you did that after that. He obeyed the, um yeah, that Peter obeys the spirit. The spirit tells him three men are looking for you. And this was after the um with the um the tablecloth coming down with all these unclean animals and he's told to take up and eat He says no i will not eat what is unclean and god has to tell him what god has made clean you shall eat and now these people come before cornelius to take peter to cornelius and the spirit tells them to go to obey those people um but not only can it be obeyed we've talked about lying but he can be resisted act seven um you stick enough people uncircumcised in a heart and ears you always resist the holy spirit just as your father did so do you here's um i believe stephen if i remember my chapters right yeah act seven Yeah. calling on the jews to not harden to not disobey the spirit like their fathers did and to, to be obeyed who, who should only be obeyed. Well, God is only to be obeyed. So if, if Stephen is telling these people that they resist the spirit, they're not obeying him. Well, that must mean the Holy spirit is God. Mm-hmm. So you see this and these are the little things, these little when you think about these verses, this is what this is how you can use the world, the new world translations of the Jehovah Witnesses to show like, look, you just can't erase Trinity out of your Bible. You can't get right. can't change John 1 1 and say, well, look, it's not there like that's not what it means. It's much more than just a verse here and a verse here. It's these all these verses. And as you think about them and develop them he was like, look, there's there's no other choice to say than to say that the Bible claims the Holy Spirit is God and is worthy of worship.
0: Yeah. Also, you can grieve the Spirit. Uh, It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Ephesians 4.30. It says also in Scripture in Isaiah 63.10, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and himself fought against them. Um, he also can be blasphemed. Um, again, this is not a a force because how, how do you blaspheme, uh, an individual, a person, uh, mm-hmm. that's not a person, right. But, uh, it says in, uh, Matthew 12, 31, therefore I tell you every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And I think that's, that's really key to, and, and, and Mike, as you said it, um, we have to be very careful when we're reading scripture not to just overlook things and because it's important. Mm-hmm. That's mainly what our show was last week. Like sometimes we read the confession and we just read through it and we miss the, the work of the spirit within the confession as it's been laid out by the writers. Um, but here, this idea of blaspheming Jesus says, Any word against me, against God, that can be forgiven, but this blaspheming of the spirit now. Logically, let's think this. I know I know the Trinity is a hard concept for people, and they might say, "Well, that just blows logic out the window." But let's look at as God is is laying out this for us to understand in our language, um, obviously Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, and then translated in our English language. What sense does it make if you deny the Trinity? You deny that the Spirit is God. To say that you could blaspheme the Father, who ultimately is the Spirit and God and the Son. You can blaspheme the son who ultimately is the father and the spirit, but you can't blast the spirit who is actually the father and the son. It does not fit. It does not make sense.
1: Uh Right. Yeah. And it's again, these little things. It's not the one. And just think and think about it. It's not. He even mentions that blasphemy can be forgiven. You know, you mentioned it, but it's when you, Take the work of the spirit and attribute it to the work of the devil. That can't be. There's something special there. There's something different mm-hmm. that is going on that makes this much worse than just your standard kind of not worshiping the Lord or blaspheming using His name. Unjustly, unrightly, un, um, an unholiness, and so. I mean, it's like that should make you stop and think about the seriousness and about who this spirit is, because mm-hmm. you don't want to blaspheme him, because you can't be forgiven. Yeah, I'm gonna grab the next couple. Yeah. So not only can he be blasphemed, which he should not do. Um, he can be insulted. Hebrews 10, 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the ones who have been trampled under the foot of the Son of God, who has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he has been sacrificed and outraged the spirit of grace? So you hear, again, just the punishment worse to denying not only the work of the son to save sinners. But to outrage the one who applies it to our lives. Mm -hmm. So you again, just all of these, these different ways that. We can. Resist the Holy Spirit, as Stephen would say. Mm -hmm. But not only that, he. Um relates to the apostles but you the verse is the same hold on let me look it up um it's acts 15. my typo <laughs> sorry we'll get it here quickly i got logos up okay so we are in acts 15 this is at the end of the Jerusalem council council so they're trying to determine in some sense, how Gentiles enter into the church. We see Peter leading this. This makes sense. Jesus said he would do this in Matthew 16. But their final assessment that is going to be delivered to the Gentile churches is this. For it seems good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay out no greater burdens than these requirements, that you have from what has been sacrificed to idols from blood, from what's been struggled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well, farewell. So they have consulted the spirit. He has given them guidance. We've already talked about him having wisdom in Isaiah and they now are laying down these, um, These requirements, which take root not just in the Mosaic law, but even farther back, we see some of these ideas um, even in um, the days of Noah and the covenant with Noah. So they're 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 reaching back and pulling from um, pre Israel times to say these are how you should act towards God. And then, so not only he relates to the apostles, he's giving them the the Trinity relates within themselves. So we've talked about kind of the um, work outside of the Trinity. Now we see in Scripture how the trinity acts within itself we call this intra trinitarian works so jesus saying he will glorify me for he'll take what is mine and declares it to you um we also see that we're to go make disciples and we make them we mentioned this earlier we we baptize them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and again in second corinthians 13 14 paul gives this benediction and he goes the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all so we see this triunity this the trinity laid out in this together that and we talked a little bit I don't know if we talked a little bit last week. I talked about it in my Sunday school lesson, but this kind of the spirit bringing us into union and fellowship with the Trinity. He is the one who kind of binds the Trinity together and he binds us in the Trinity. And we see that here. Um, when Paul mentions the fellowship of the Holy spirit be with the Corinthians.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, as we kind of move move on in this, um, still continuing with the same person that we're seeing here, the Holy Spirit, and how he is relating himself to us through the scriptures so that we can understand who he is. He's not just a force. He is an actual person, right? Um, he is one in essence with the Father and the Son, yet distinct in, in, in uh, person or subsistencies, right? Um, but we see that the Holy Spirit acts in ways that a person acts. Right. We've seen some of that already. Um, But the Holy Spirit loves. It says in Romans 15, 30, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, uh, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. It also says that the Spirit speaks. It says in uh, Acts 10, 9 and 20, or 19 through 20, it says, And while Peter was pondering this vision, Mike already mentioned this, the Spirit told him, Behold, three men are looking for you. So the Spirit is speaking. Um, go ahead, Mike.
1: Yeah, related to that, you know, you can use the same verse. Then not only is he speaking to Peter, he understands he's commanding him to do something. So the Spirit can command us. Mm-hmm. He also commanded the church in Antioch to set aside, set apart Barnabas and Saul so that they can go out and do the mission and go out on what would become the first missionary journey. In Acts 1632. Again, in the same story about the Ethiopian e- eunuch, the spirit tells Philip to go over and join the to join the chariot. So he he speaks, and in his speaks, he commands us, but he also teaches. Mm-hmm. Luke 12 12. For the Holy Spirit teach you that in the very hour what you ought to say. We see we're in their persecution. We're standing Mm -hmm. before kings. What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit's going to teach us what to say when we need to say it.
0: Yeah. Uh, The Holy Spirit also... No, go Uh, ahead.
1: Was you going to say something? I was just going to go Nehemiah 920. Um, You gave your good spirit to instruct them and do not withhold your manna from their mouths and give them water for their thirst. So here the Spirit is instructing them It's here called manna for your mouth. So it's the word that he's instructing with them. And it's both kind of the food and the thirst, which which is to um, sustain the people. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. Um, The Holy Spirit, it bears witness. We see this in Romans 8, 16. It says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, The Holy Spirit directs. Um, It says in Acts 16, 6 through 7, it says, And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, uh, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. And when they had come to um, Mysia, uh, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. It also says in Acts 15, 28, it says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, to not, or to us, to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. It also says to pay careful attention to yourself and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer, speaking to elders, speaking to those that have care of the church of God, of which he obtained by his own blood. So we're seeing again the Spirit who's calling you to be an overseer and and then also the church of God that he purchased with his own blood. You see the, the sun in here too. So you're seeing this this inner uh, connection there within the, the the triune God. And it's there in scripture. Again, we just sometimes when we read, we overlook that, right? Okay. It also says in Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So that's kind of laid out for us in scripture. If again, if we, we read carefully, we, we want to study the word of God to show ourselves approved. We want to be men who, who meditate upon the word of God, who memorize the word of God. Um, who tried, again, I, I know like it's the beginning of the year, people have their lists, their checklist of reading through, um, and they're mm-hmm. great to keep you on track, to get you reading through the Bible, right? Um, but make sure when we're reading, we're not reading so fast or reading to get something done or accomplished or checked off, that we're missing these important truths, especially concerning the triune God and specifically
1: God, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think these are opportunities to have like a list of questions to help you facilitate your meditation, and that can. Um, I think we talked about this in our spiritual discipline series several years ago, but just having a list that that brings us and helps us to remind us to think deeper. You know, what does this passage say about God? What can I learn about God in this passage? what does it say about Christ or what does it say about us? And you could add, what does this say about the spirit or about God as triune and to, to be able to think more deeply about the scriptures, it gives you something else to think about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we get in the rut of just reading through the scriptures, having these types of questions helps us to slow down and think about what we're reading and to consider, and you're not going to answer all the questions all the time, but to just to stop and to consider these things just even helps us to see how the spirit works in the old Testament, you know, and to consider how, the spirit in the Old Testament works differently than the spirit in the New Testament. Um, based on the covenant in which they operate in. And these are all things to to think more deeply about because it helps us. To understand who God is, and that's ultimately what we want to understand and worship. The God who's created us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important to to really take our time as we're working through Scripture. Um, It's good to read um, because there are often times where we're reading through Scripture and we're we're picking up things that we may have overlooked before, but being intentional about taking the time to really understand what it is you're reading, um, that will be, I think, a huge... um, Encouragement to you uh, as you grow in trying to understand the scriptures better, more clearly, uh, and then be able to understand the spirit of God, who's God, the third person of the Trinity, because these conversations are going to be out there. If you if you engage, as we mentioned, with Islam, Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, um, with um, any Christian cult, really, they're going to deny the Trinity with with oneness mm-hmm. Pentecostals or modalism. You're going to find these aberrant views or these heretical views, More, it's a better word, these heretical views of the triune God, of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to be able to have these fresh in your memory or to think about. No, the scripture refers to God, the Holy Spirit, as a person. He interacts as a person. He can be blasphemed. He can be aggrieved. He can be insulted. He leads. He commands. So these are things that if you Consider and meditate upon these things when you have those conversations. Hopefully, these will be things that come to mind. Again, you may not know exactly where to go all the time in Scripture. Hey, we all learn and grow more and more. and um. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you could have those in there and say, hey, I might not know exactly where it is, but I know the Spirit does these things, and I will get back to you. Let me go look these up for you, and you'll have that yeah. there.
1: I don't even consider, like we've we've covered a lot, but we haven't even covered all of it. We haven't talked right. about him as our as the guaranteed deposit of our salvation, mm-hmm. how he helps us in spiritual battles. When you're thinking Ephesians one, Ephesians six. The fact that he wrote scripture, you know, kind of mention it, there's like even w- when we think about just how the spirit works in our different lives and how scripture talks about how he works in different lives. It is, it is hard to have a complete and full understanding. We were talking about it after the show. All right. We were talking about on the show. Like I have some books back here. I got books upstairs. Oh, I was using to prepare for last week's show on just the Holy spirit. And we're talking books that are two, three, 400 pages. Mm-hmm. And even then that's not, a full, completely full treatise of everything that the Spirit does, and to think about how important the Spirit is in just our just our Christian lives, about our trust in the Spirit's work, using the gospel to convert sinners. I mean, these there are so many things that we take for granted as Christians because of the power of the spirit in our lives. And this is why it's important for us to study because he is there, whether we know it or not, he is there with it. And I mean, I'm reminded of a sermon by Spurgeon. I know I mentioned this in my Sunday school lesson on Sunday, and I think it's important. Um, dealing with when Jesus says it's better that I go and that I send the spirit in John and Spurgeon talks about the reason why it's better that Christ could leave though. If Christ was here on earth, we could see him because he still has a body. It's glorified, but he still has a body and we can go see and we could believe. But if we needed someone to intercede for us, we have to go there. And how many of us are actually going to get an opportunity to see Jesus and have him intercede for us in person. Mm -hmm. But no, in God's infinite plan, he just didn't give us the visible body of Jesus to go in order to have intercession. He gave the spirit of Jesus in us to intercede and that, all believers have now this access through the spirit to Christ who intercedes for us before the father. Yeah. like just, just think about that for a moment. And we didn't even like until now we didn't really cover that, but yet the spirit is doing there. This is why just like specific studies through the Bible in your reading can help us in these ways or reading along with your Bible books of theology to to help us to think about these things and to to place these ideas in there because there's so much that even in the one hour we've been recording, we haven't even been able to to touch or even to examine the depths of yeah.
0: Well, the last thing um, we want to leave you with here tonight is uh, the, the the Holy Spirit is referred to as the paraclete. Um, and, and this means one who appears in an, on another's behalf or in another's behalf, as you was mentioning. Um, God has given us this spirit so that we can have this one who intercedes, so we can go to Christ who's on the throne, right? Um, so on another's behalf, as a mediator, as an intercessor, as a helper, and it says in John fourteen six, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Again, listen to the language. We're talking about a triune God here. Christ going to ask the Father to give another Helper, meaning the Spirit. Right? This triune language here. Um, in, in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, laying it out exactly who he's referring to this, this paracle, this, this Holy Spirit, this helper, this comforter, or mediator, intercessor, depending upon your, your translation, right? Um, it says, Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So, again, this triune God, you see it here, you know, um, and it, it's so important. Again, as we've mentioned multiple times now, when we read, we don't just read through it quickly. But right there, when somebody says, where's Trinity in the Bible? It's right here. Mm-hmm. And and what does the, the Holy Spirit do? What is the work of the Spirit of God? It's right here, you know? So Mike, any final thoughts? Close it out. Uh, probably we'll do another show next week on the Holy Spirit, maybe get more into um, some of the things you were talking about, as well as some of the work. Of the spirit, in you know, maybe get into some of the gift things and whatnot, uh, so to speak.
1: Yeah, Cynthia's comment on the screen. Um, Jesus is it when he was on earth was not um omnipresent, he wasn't everywhere. So you cannot be with all believers. So it's good that he's left and went to heaven. Yeah, that's Spurgeon's point. We needed someone who can be everywhere. And now the spirit is sent. This is why we believe in the Nicene Creed, that the spirit was preceded from the father and the son. Mm-hmm. Um, John 15 says. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, which is why we say he proceeds from both the father and the son. Um, the Filioque clause, if you know your church history um, and or you can go listen to our show on it and to, to think about, I mean, I guess to leave it is when we think about the spirit, we think about God. I'm often reminded of Gregory of Nazian's statement. When I think of the one, I am transported to the three. When I think of the three, I am transported to the one that the, to, to think about, God, and even in his. Persons. That we, we move back between him, the, the nature of who God is, the essence of God, then to the persons of God. And and their work and. We have to have that movement. So to study the spirit. Is to study God and to know who He is more deeply, and the same is when we study the the person and work of Christ. When we study the person and work of Christ, we study who God is. We get to know Him better as Savior. When we study God, the Father, and what He is doing, His preordaining, and to be who it is. We we learn about who he is as creator. And this this is important because this is the foundation of our Christian faith. Salvation doesn't work if there is not a triune God. According to the Bible, the father who sends the son To die in our place, and that work is then applied to our hearts when we repent and trust in Him because we are sinners and we need this Savior. The idea of Trinity is wrapped up as the foundation in which our salvation rests. And this is why it's important. This is why the Mormon God isn't God or the Muslim God isn't God. It's because salvation in God's plan requires all the members of the Trinity in their separate works to bring us back to the God we have left in our sins. This is why this is important. It will always be important.
0: Amen. Well, that's been G220 Radio for tonight. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us at g220radio at gmail.com. Again, that's g220radio at gmail. Dot com. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, um, and questions. If you have any, uh, you can direct them to us there as well. God bless, and until next time, good night.